0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Bald Move TV podcast. We're really officially unofficial podcast for all of television, and we are ending our laser-like focus of Matthew Weiner's The Romanoffs series with the final episode, Episode 8, The One That Holds Everything. Uh, Jim, did this episode tie neatly into a bow <laughs> the entire thesis of what Matthew Weiner was trying to say and just, just really bring everything into focus so that... We could properly appreciate the things that we maybe just weren't getting over the last seven weeks. Oh
1: yeah, oh yeah. No, this is this is the capper that I really needed. No, I like. I don't think this is a terrible episode, but no, it didn't do any of the things you described. <laughs> How could it?
0: Yeah, like we, I said last week that this episode essentially can append a, a certain prefix or a certain adjective uh, or an adverb to. The title creative failure. Uh-huh. so like it could be an ambitious or a misguided or or a monumental and I, I think that i I feel like that um wrong like like wrong headed rushed um I, I don't i don't know'm I'm not, I'm not sure, exactly sure what adjective or adverb I want to hang in front of it. it's just the, the creative failure, but no, in fact, this episode, like many in the la- the back half of the season, really had like all of the sins of this series on display mm-hmm. um it had a little bit more interesting i i guess is back to kind of like the the shocking twist of the 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 first half of mm-hmm. the the season that i think worked somewhat well in some of the episodes but i i don't know it's um matthew weiner really treading water in the deep end of the pool and not 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 coming away with um not coming away with the gold medal in swimming for sure <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i i don't know i i found myself coming away from it going hmm that was sort of an interesting structure i think it has huge blind spots like a, just a massive plot hole right in the middle of it but mm. uh we can talk about that
0: yeah i the other thing i thought was because well, I, I think this was one of the better like S edited and written from a from a dialogue perspective. There were some like scenes that were very interesting and I thought well constructed, like two or three of them in the overall story, which I, I didn't think uh worked so well. But one of the things that when I was watching it, I found almost humorous is the inception level of <laughs> yeah. the storytelling. I
1: wrote storyception in my notes. Yeah, yeah,
0: like we just about hit limbo. Now I I did some reading around, and a lot of people suggested that you're supposed to understand that this is like a Russian style nesting doll.
1: Yeah, no, it that, makes a lot
0: of sense. That that the the, the outer wrapper, then you go the inner wrapper, the inner wrapper, it, it it goes like four levels deep, and. It's another one of those things where I feel like if this season or what had been better, mm-hmm. we'd be like, oh, wow, what a fucking concept to really f- finish off the series strong. But since nothing really worked, it just becomes – i mean, I mean, creative – Creative reaches that exceed their grasp come off as pretentious. Yeah, and this does that. If they work, then it comes off as brilliant mm-hmm. and something like an Easter egg that you can discover a whole other lens to appreciate. If not, it's almost like you know Matthew Weiner just just saying like, "Huh, huh? nesting dolls, huh, huh? Romanovs." <laughs> I think it's a great concept
1: for a Romanov storytelling device. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think if they nail it. It works extremely well, and everybody goes, holy shit, this is like... Yeah. You know, it's it's not groundbreaking to tell some kind of, you know, twisty story like this, but right. it, it would fit perfectly with the theme of the show. But the problem is I don't know really that the theme of the show has much to do with what they actually put on screen.
0: Yeah, and it's just... I've seen this done arguably better in, like, The Talented Mr. Ripley, The Crying Game. Mm-hmm. Um, you can... In any other... Narrative that in the last 20, 30 years that has kind of used a, a, a queer character to be, I, I don't know if a mm. villain, I guess it's. The, Simon is not exactly a villain in this story. No. Or Claudia no. is. is uh, I don't think so at all. But they also, I think, inarguably murder an innocent person to mm-hmm. exact a uh, revenge. So they're not exactly a fucking hero either. No, they're like a uh, sort of anti-hero. Oh, right. <laughs> or just like you, I mean, a lot of these characters seem kind of semi-mythical, legendary like the Romanovs themselves mm-hmm. that you know, but why, why would this guy try to murder his wife by pushing her off his cliff? Why would you know this person visit their strange stepbrother and murder them to get you know, revenge on on a, the, the truly villainous uh yeah uh whatever her name is, Odessa, I don't know, Onita, Oneida. Oneida. Uh-huh. Idaho Potato. Uh what I'm I, Dean. Odine. I, I I don't know. I so I guess we should we should I guess we should do a little bit of a deep dive into this, right? Yeah, let's play. That's what into we, it. Pre- we we promised. Before we get into the episode any further, I just want to talk about what's going on here at Baldmove.com this week. We are wrapping up our Season of the Cage, our super serious film festival, a deep dive into the career of Nick Cage called Season of the Cage. With the titular season of the witch, one of uh, one one of his one of his not great movies. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah, uh, so with, mediocre. It's not even worth watching.
0: Yeah, yeah. But is it not worth podcasting? That's the real <laughs> question. Uh, we're going to do our uh, our typical deep dive on that, and we also are ending with a little retrospective on Nick Cage and some things we learned about him along the way. Jim and I share some fun facts that we discovered in our research about him. So check that out. Uh, you can go on YouTube or uh, iTunes and search for Super Serious Film Fest to find all of our coverage on that. We also took in, speaking of a movie that's worth watching, Creed 2. The follow-up to Creed, which is a follow-up to the storied Rockied franchise. Rockied. The story, the story to Rocky franchise, and we really enjoyed it. There's a spoiler-free review for everybody, and we do a deep dive into spoilers for the club members there in baldmove.com. Uh, my co-author of Gods of Thrones, Anthony and I, are doing a special series about our book, Gods of Thrones, as well as Fire and Blood. This week, we talked mostly about Fire and Blood, and we're do, uh, that's uh, George R. R. Martin's uh, Targaryen historic, fake history book. We're dividing up the book into thirds, and we're going to be considering that the next two or three weeks. Uh, so check that out. Uh, one other thing I want to let club members know because it's this is the point in the the rest of the year that things get pretty sleepy as far as TV land. Uh, people are not wanting to compete with the holidays, and Bald Move does not follow suit. We actually do something a little special for club members each year. Uh, we always do something special around the holidays. It involves you know alcohol and silly movies and all that kind of stuff. This year the theme is a very Giamatti Christmas, and we've got we are we are watching. C- Paul Giamatti Christmas films. Yes, I said plural films. We're doing extra drunken lunches this month, and we're also doing a eight-part installment that we call The One Man Manger as part of our very Giamatti Christmas. So just want to let everybody know before they they uh, turn in their podcast feed, uh, their feeds for the year to still look at baldmove.com if you're a club member to check out some great content heading your way. Really excited. Giamatti Man has been a big, big part of Bald Move this year. <laughs> And we're sending out 2018, right? So uh, if you're a club member, check that out. If you're not a club member, there's a 25% off sale on annual club membership. So it's a great time to join. Uh, But uh, definitely look uh, to com for that. Right away, this episode got under my skin because the social anxiety of watching someone Mm -hmm. just completely refuse to get any kind of social clue about this guy wanting to be left alone is uh, uh, near panic-inducing.
1: Yeah, every, everything about this opening, I was like, oh, God, this is cringy, because I, I think it was effective mm-hmm. in that it showed a scenario that is maybe one of my worst nightmares is sitting down next to a really talkative person on a plane or a train mm-hmm. or... And just a stranger, and I don't want to talk, and they just won't shut up. Sounds horrible. Yeah. So, yeah, I was, on, I was on edge there, and then halfway through this episode, I was like, what the fuck does this train scene have anything to do mm-hmm. with this episode? uh luckily by the end they do bring it back around and i feel like that was at least one like a partial saving grace for this thing yeah (laughs) is that there was some intentionality with the the opening scene it wasn't just like there to tell a story right which i kind of would have bought at this point Mm -hmm. that it was just kind of something you know we wanted to have a scene on a train so we did right
0: yeah and i this was um i mean i i I mean, I, I did go through a phase where uh, I tried to get good at being conversing with strangers and I was doing a lot of travel. So I would try to strike up conversations with people on planes. But, I, you know, you got to if nah. they got headphones in or if they're, if they're, they're reading if a they book. immediately deploy a book or if they like the first two or three questions are met with one syllable responses, then, you know, they're not taking the bait. So, yeah, go fish elsewhere or crack out your own book or put in your own headphones this is torture. Right.
1: This is torture. You have really someone is. captive
0: yeah. in a long metal tube that they cannot escape. And, he's and you're going seat. to
1: torture them the yeah. entire time. That, this is torture, people. Yeah. Don't do this.
0: Yeah, this is against the, the Geneva Code. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, this this does tie a lot of the series together, because we have the return of the six-part Romanoff series that we've seen uh-huh. written, we've seen produced, we've seen acted, we've now seen uh, the actual... well. So what was this? Because I thought this was he based was doing on. doing the adaptation of John oh, so Slattery's Slattery. okay. book, yeah. Okay, so we, we 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 get this, and there's also a couple other characters that are kind of in the background that we've seen from others.
1: Yeah, but Aaron Eckert and his wife from the first episode walk by.
0: Right, but there's no real, beyond just kind of like, look at these interesting background Romanovs that happen to be inhabiting this time and space in France, There, mm-hmm. there wasn't something that really justified that i guess
1: no i i think the most interesting concept and the one that they come daringly close like vanishingly close to pulling off is this Matroshka doll mm-hmm. uh, concept because the the description for this episode is weird was weird to me after seeing it because they talk about a man who is traveling the globe trying to escape the curse of his family mm-hmm. and I, I mean i think that's the thesis of this entire series so far is just that these Romanovs are cursed and they're, they're emotionally cursed. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that's what they were playing with. And the idea of a, of a nesting doll kind of ties into that as well. I think they come dangerously close to actually pulling something off here in the end, but they don't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I, I think that this could have, there would have been a really interesting theme, like almost tales from the dark side. If the, if the theme of this season or the series was that, uh, the Rasputin had cursed the Romanov line mm. in, in with his dying breath. And then yeah. you could see all the different ways, emotionally, financially, um, that, that, that this curse plays itself through and, and, and stalks his descendants, but they don't really do that. And there's a lot of things where nobody really learned anything. Nobody really had a comeuppance. Nobody's, material lives were changed at the end of it. And I don't know.
1: Christina Hendricks dies. Well, sure. There's <laughs> that.
0: But I was thinking specifically, yeah. you know, Diane Lang and the the high bright halo or high bright circle. It's like that That was an hour and a half of things that in the end, dude still teaching piano and, uh, you know, these these rich people are still... I guess side eyeing him side eyeing him, but bit. there's no there's no real 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 change I guess no um, there's like the I don't think the characters if you told they took the dad and the mom aside it's like, okay, what did you learn? I don't know that they've learned anything um but i like I said, this episode doesn't suffer from that problem I mean we go through a mm-hmm. fucking arc of this guy's this guy's from from cradle to to well not grave cradle to his brother his Step-brother's grave <laughs> um <laughs> But I, I, I don't, I I don't know where to continue on from here. Uh, I want to talk about. So we're talking about the the Matryoshka nesting doll
1: kind of mm-hmm. concept, and at some point during this, I realized what the, what they were doing. Not, and I didn't identify it as like this nesting doll thing, but I realized, oh, it's a story within a story within a mm-hmm. story within a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's a huge problem here. There's mm-hmm. a massive plot hole in that Simon. Okay, okay. I got to go to my notes because this gets complicated. <laughs> yeah. So this is a story about a woman telling a man on a train a story about Simon who is telling his support group a story about his ex-lover mm-hmm. who is telling his fiance a story about Simon's childhood. Right. How does Simon know the story that his ex-lover told his fiancée?
0: That was one of the... I mean, there's a lot of people talking about like, well, how the hell would this guy not recognize A, his his brother-in-law, or his, his stepbrother, and B, even if he didn't vaguely recognize them, uh, how in the world would he not recognize his own family story playing out?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And That's also fair. I don't have... Because, like, you know, if I... if We were joking about this, because you you do have a half-brother, I don't think, or maybe a couple mm-hmm. half-brothers that you've never met, right? No, just one, yeah. Just one? And, like, I could see that, you know... You not recognize him on the train, but if you start talking stories about the, your dad and his youth, you would probably quickly start, you know, pick, picking up picking up on that. Especially when he's using his given name, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, huh, what an interesting coincidence. Oh, interesting, he went to Vietnam. Oh, interesting, oh, he, he grew up in uh, New York City in the '60s or whatever. Oh, that's like it's <laughs> like it just start. You'd be like, well, what? what come on, this has got to be this guy's revelation. Happens w- way too late in, yeah. in, in, in the thing, but it needs to happen that. And again, I was trying to think of if I like this series better, would I be aware of all of these tricks and, and short? I think you I think you have you you'd have to be. But it's whether you'd forgive it or not. Right. right. And I, you know, I'm not, I guess, inclined to give this series any slack because. Yeah, <laughs> like I like I said, I just laughed out loud when the guy started spinning this bullshit to his, his fiance about Why? uh simon is the way he is i'm like because yeah the first the first the first realization is how in the world would he know that this is happening yeah i don't know know. like i was like (laughs) i'm trying to think of in the narrative structure of him in that support group Mm -hmm. how would this be happening and there's no there's no way no there's there's really no explanation for it it's just
1: the the only thing i can think of is that later because we know that didn't end the relationship between him and his, his Hong Kong lover. What's that...
0: Oh, man, that seemed... That's another thing that seemed incredible. Yeah,
1: it did. But, you know, they're trying to play it off like, oh, he's just a liar, and that's yeah. what he
0: does. and I feel sorry for him. Yeah,
1: I maybe I could see that, and maybe he could have told him what he told his fiance. he told Simon what he told her, but... It's such a stretch.
0: Well, there's also something about this unreliable narration that kind of takes it in the talented Mr. Ripley territory, where I'm not so sure that Claudia slash Simon, if if they made up the the story of the governess threatening his life over you know the accusation of burning his mom alive, Mm -hmm. then he's just he's just a straight up villain, and it's entire like there is nothing that would suggest that this guy who his abu- abused drugs and alcohol and uh, has shown to, well, I don't know, I guess I guess it's how much you, you, you stock you put in his his lover. I think Christopher, whether, mm-hmm. you know, when he says, oh, he lies all the time, he does all this stuff, whether that is actual or that's just something he's trying to say to... <laughs>
1: well, we know he's lying in that moment, so it's hard to believe him. It's hard to give him any credit. Right.
0: Yeah. So when he says Simon's a liar, I'm like, well, I don't believe you. Yeah. But I don't. I don't, also don't know because if if you just if if you just say that this kid has just not been right or he's been a liar, he's been some kind of sociopath from the since <laughs> from the time he was a small child. That it, it also makes sense to believe that he's just maliciously struck out on this uh, mm-hmm. this person that's taken over his mom. I I don't know because like how much is, is he, he is a lying because. It's hard to make his dad having sex with the babysitter behind a mom's back that's it's hard to make that okay and it's hard to make that govern you know like her behavior okay and but so much of it was just like you know the fact that uh the the fact that she was smiling in certain scenes was taken as provocation where again, if you just recontextualize him making up the house fire as something that the the babysitter did then mm-hmm. she could just be you know the stepmom that's trying to make things work and yeah it's is just uh being rebuffed at every turn
1: No, then simon would be a true villain
0: <laughs> yeah and also like you know this this uh, babysitter how in the world would she if she's this uh, type of person capable of starting a house fire to kill someone and locking a child in there, how is she otherwise able to turn a corner and have just a perfect normal life? To her? It, it's like it's rare the person who's like, you know what, I'm going to do something despicable, and then I'm just going to live the rest of my life like nothing else, like nothing else happened. That that, yeah. that lie is never going to catch up to me. Yeah, I don't know. It seems, it seemed, it just seemed bizarre. Um, but I did it. There was a couple of things I thought were pretty effective, like him. Showing up to his stepbrother's birthday party and you know, realizing that he is not part of that family anymore. And his dad says, Hey, let's take a family photo. And Simon's kind of like, Oh, okay, but then he realizes, Oh, I'm just going to be the photographer Mm -hmm. because I'm not considered part of this family. I mean, that I thought was effective. I thought his lap dance to the Bengals' eternal flame to his, yeah, you know, lover. Like that, like sad, pathetic kind of scene was was really and, and also effective, like, kind of nerve
1: wracking. I was like, oh no, how
0: is this going to play out? Yeah, this this is a volatile situation here. Yeah, yeah. And then I think that um, I guess the fine, like I said, the final reveal and the po- poisoning and all that stuff was pretty cold blooded, but mm-hmm. but by- I was shocked to find I was in the middle of this Kaiser Soze moment. <laughs> So there wasn't any like sublime pleasure in seeing this guy get his comeuppance because I didn't think he needed he, he didn't deserve to come up. No, he doesn't deserve to die. Sure, I. But the guy was already dead and dying by the time I realized. Oh, this is a revenge plot, and should I be rooting for it? They, I, I, I would have to watch it again to fully appreciate it. And then no, and at no time am I tempted to watch any of these things another time.
1: <laughs> right, and they also, in my opinion, create the the cardinal sin of telling the audience in a nice little summary that's voiced by the main character mm-hmm. exactly what's happening here. Yeah. Like just, we know you, you don't got to put it into the dialogue to say, here's exactly what's happening and here's exactly why I'm doing it. And mm-hmm. like, we get it. Yeah. We see, uh, you know, this person poisoned. We, we understand that this is Simon game game over. Like yeah. th- you can, in the episode there, you can do your musical montage and get out.
0: Yeah. And there's also, there's a weird juxtaposition of um, this other trans woman that was in his, if I'm re- recalling correctly, it was in his support group, mm-hmm. like taking it inside and like, you know, giving him this, this rah, rah speech about how, you know, how t- how fundamentally tough the queer community is and how they have to be and, you know, describing, you know, describing being victimized several times, f- brutally, in mm-hmm. fact, but refusing to take the title uh, of victim and then the next time he shows up as a as a trans person and he's victimizing an innocent person it's that, it can, that same kind of uncomfortable social commentary I get when I'm watching true blood which I've said this before but true blood purports to be a show about vampires but it's also a thinly veiled gay allegory that you're supposed to understand that you know coming out of the coffin is like coming out of the closet <laughs> they don't
1: actually use that
0: yes oh god no yeah no oh, and god. our fingers instead of the other f-word <laughs> oh, no I, i'm god. just saying it's pretty thin but spot wow. the problem with that allegory these are actually monsters they're, yeah they're they're they,
1: sucking the blood they, of, they, of society sure they're yeah.
0: actually putting on a polite facade <laughs> uh-huh. to prey upon the normal uh elements of humanity and that's right. like the fuck are you saying and <laughs> there's there's a little bit of this too where it's like oh the reveal is you know he's he's a gay man and then he's actually a trans woman and then also he is a villain he's going to poison this person um mm-hmm. which i thought was also a cute touch since poison's traditionally seen as a a woman's weapon i, I <laughs> just like again man matthew weiner really 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 this 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 kind of eighties woke stuff I've been talking about. Like that 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 felt edgy, but it's actually kinda of, at this point in, in history, sort of stale storytelling.
1: Yeah, I almost feel like they shouldn't have made Simon even partially a villain here. They should have just had uh what is it, Candace? Is that the name that he takes after I think so. Oh,
0: okay. I think so. Uh
1: they should have had Candace just go and kill on Dean. Like I, I get yeah. it. It's not as juicy, it's not as delicious of a revenge, but it's revenge nonetheless, and I think, and it's it's that, also that is
0: a a problem free revenge. Yeah, I mean, when she's saying, "Oh, sure, I should I could kill your mother, but you know she's old and used up and where's revenge?" And that's like, I mean, well, you're just a terrorist if you're mm-hmm. saying like, "Well, attacking a legitimate target wouldn't have the the impact I want," so I'm going to go after this this innocent person, or I don't know if they if you could make. Uh, the, the other guy, I forget who the, the, the actual POV character of this, of this whole thing is. What's, what's the... Uh, Tom o- Hiddleston. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, poor man's Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. If you could actually make him more villainous, where like he, you know, okay, cause the worst yeah. he is, is just...
1: Where he kicks a puppy or something. Yeah, or, yeah, I mean, Done. like,
0: the, the worst he, he is, is dismissive of a person who is transgressing upon every social more... As, uh, when it comes to travelers as you, <laughs> yeah. you possibly get and he's even not not that big of a dick because no. I've probably been five minutes in like uh you know what I'm actually gonna try another seat I mean he does he does try and use the smoking excuse right. which right no, uh, can notice notes
1: that yeah you can't smoke on a train you
0: dick <laughs> um but I, I don't know because I was like i I was trying to recon when I was going through my notes and organize them I was trying to think back it's like is there a way I was really interested in trying to recontextualize this as he's just an outright villain. And because I remember thinking, being fairly surprised at how cool his dad was after his mother, like, you know, seemed like he was legitimately trying, you know, with the son and they were kind of bonding. And I'm like, well, this doesn't make sense in context of what I know about their adult life. And then, mm-hmm. you know, that's when, uh, yeah, I think you're supposed to understand that Od- Odin shows up and starts i guess perverting her his his father's good intentions or subverting i should say his father's good intentions but mm-hmm. again don't care that much about the story to to give it that that once over that might might uncover some some i guess hidden depths
1: one of the more shocking things to me was uh when they're they're sitting at the the family dinner table uh and you got the father whose name i don't know and Undine and mm-hmm young simon there Mm -hmm. and they say okay it's time to engage in the family tradition and the father pulls out a cigarette lights up a smoke now that he can tie his own tie and i thought he was going to hand this cigarette to this kid (laughs) that's (laughs) i was like oh oh no yeah Uh, but it's actually way more ridiculous like your family tradition is to send your child to a public school for a few months
0: well i think that's one of those weird things where you have to understand that public school in Britain means something different. Like, that's essentially what I... we would call boarding school. I think
1: you're right about some that. sort of a
0: cat i think I've, I've run into this before where it's just a it's a language uh so so public school is better than private yeah school? well i i don't know i don't know what they call public schools over there maybe they call them okay. government schools or shitholes ministry we're taking you out of the shithole yeah. we're putting you in public school kid right thank you daddy public schools there is just actually schools they run out of pubs <laughs> so that's why <laughs> That's yeah. why they're seen it' just, just just whatever drunken guy's on the bar stool is who's teaching that <laughs> Public and...
1: cool sponsored by Guinness <laughs> sponsored by uh, Boddington's
0: uh, <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> but i yeah I think I think you're supposed to understand he's going being sent to some kind of elite boarding school yeah, academy yeah. because you know like you get there and they're all dressed like fucking Hogwarts castle, and but he's already dressed like Hogwarts Castle, I guess, but the he's professor, got a fucking... he's got gold shit on his sleeves, <laughs> that's how you know, and a beer in his hand. <laughs> um but yeah that's but i I thought the same thing he's like it's time for you to take your first step towards being a man puff (laughs) puff on this and here's and
1: here's some whiskey and
0: yeah and then that could they could have gone into another language barrier because he could have offered his son a fag and then our american brains would just exploded you know Uh it's like it's like we're a long line of uh i don't know what i'm not familiar with all the offensive uh gay slang in in, in Britain. Uh,
1: so bollocks, bollocks. long line of bollocks. Arst
0: bloody, bloody bollocks. hell bollocks yeah. is, is what what you end up with. All the words we can say here that you can't say up there. <laughs> and on they're, TV. they're shocking, shocking. Yeah. Um okay. Do do, do we want to say more about this episode or Why would the earrings be in the bag? That's another fucking great question. I <laughs> I I don't know. I don't if know. If they had made
1: it clear that he was traveling like from geneva to paris or something like they mentioned specifically these earrings are in a safe in geneva now i don't know if that's a lie
0: see i thought that was a that was a bluff
1: it it could totally be a bluff but if they had connected those dots Mm -hmm. i would have been like okay that makes sense but they don't they don't do anything the earrings just happen to be in this bag yeah and
0: and candace happens to know where they are we would all be happier if simon had just strangled odette right there (laughs) And taking <laughs> the earrings back in a flashback yeah. before her son shows up. Like, yeah. that would have been... We'd gotten out of 20 minutes earlier. And I thought have, that's
1: what was going to happen. I thought Odessa was going to be lying there on the floor. Yeah, it's going to be some, some physical violence. And then his dad
0: walks in. And then and then maybe he burns the whole place down. Yeah. And he walks out. And then that I could get behind. I'm sorry for the pronouns we're using. We're, we're going to mix I, them up. Man, because at yeah, different times,
1: right. he's representing differently.
0: Yeah. I, I, I have to apologize. But right and, and give I, us some slack here yeah 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 because the other thing <laughs> we is we don't like, mean anything yeah no i'm i'm we're trying to work with the fictional reality of this <laughs> thing um because yeah and this matroska doll this this nested doll thing it's like phew, wow yeah what your your pronouns and your your dead names and all that stuff is all, all mixed up yeah um okay what else i think that's all i have
1: I i wasn't super keen on taking a lot of notes in this episode i wasn't Super keen on talking about this episode. Thank goodness it's the finale. I think we're done. Yeah, with
0: I, I don't think season
1: two comes around. We cover
0: it. No, okay. oh, no, no. Like I would have to hear Good. that season two was was the one of the one of the best shows of the year, and also that it somehow like like was ex- it, very. I would be looking for words like extremely responsive to the cri- criticism of season one uh-huh. because that like you know like you know th- this. It's just like I'm excited for True Detective Season 3, even though True Detective Season 2 is a huge disappointment. And I kind of think there's some similarities here in that uh, I don't think Matthew Weiner, and it's going to seem kind of weird to the, the, the talk about him about this way, but like I don't think he quite had the skills directorially, pr- producerially, um, and, and maybe even writing. Just just with him as a, as a as a single focus to pull this really sprawling, thinly connected narrative off. And, and it might have needed a couple more like this. This, this seemed like something that should have been in his note pad in his back pocket for a couple of years that he's noodling on and perfecting and acquiring more information about the Romanovs to really make it. Instead, it felt like it is a little bit a little bit rushed. The first thing that kind of popped in his ma- mind post Mad Men. And I don't know. Maybe... He carried this all through Mad Men, like he did Mad Men all throughout the production of the Sopranos era. But it just felt like a lot of these things he just didn't have didn't didn't have the direction, didn't have the editing. The writing was weak. Uh, there's just a lot of stuff that he needed to maybe level up in other projects before he just jumped right into this one man production show. In exact the same way that uh, Pizzolatto kind of struggled in season two, where he you know ditched his big you know big collaborator and he came back with a script that was way too soon after he had essentially spent his whole life crafting the first one and so yeah i could get excited with matthew weiner coming back to something else you know like his follow-up to the follow-up of Mad Men, but yeah romanoff season two just without any kind of buzz or hype i don't give a shit about yeah all right let's get to feedback before we get the feedback, uh, we mentioned this in housekeeping, but we are running a 25% off of our of, of all new club memberships at the club, club.baldmove.com. And this is to celebrate our December holiday shenanigans. This year's theme is A Very Giamatti Christmas. We're watching two Paul Giamatti Christmas movies, uh, Mary and Bright and Fred Claus. We're doing live watches of those. We're doing podcasts of those every Friday We're doing uh, drunken lunches where we, you know, it's just let let our hair down a little bit. Usually there's some gift giving involved. There's merrymaking. And then we also have an eight part series called The One Man Manger. It's it's kind of an epic poem. There's some kind of like some crude stop motion animation. but It tells the story of Paul, Paul Giamatti trying to get a, a Christmas project greenlit with very little time left in December mm-hmm. and, and how this all spirals out of control as only things with Paul Giamatti can. Uh, it's exclusive to club members, all this content, uh, and right now you can get 25% off new annual memberships. Unfortunately, existing club members uh, do not get to participate in that sale because we didn't quite get the software update needed to do that. We tried. It'll definitely be done before the next time we do a club sale. But if you are a new member, it's a great time to start. It's a great time to start because there's just tons and tons of this Christmas content. We've been doing this for almost five years now. This is going to be the biggest and best one yet. Uh, so if you're tired of Rudolph and that claymation crap, if you're tired of Scrooge, if you're tired of a Miracle on 34th Street, go to BaldMove.com to really get your heart warmed with a very G-Mighty Christmas. Club.BaldMove.com. Uh, as always, it's TV at BaldMove.com. Uh, Chris and Kristen they there's so i'm gonna i'm gonna give a little bit more weight to the the pro romanovs because i you know most people have been anti and okay. and kristen are a husband and wife team they're motivated to collaborate on a tag team email because they were in such disagreement with our review of the last one end of the line it says my wife and i are teaming up in this email because we really disagree with almost all your coverage of the show we felt we had to address a couple of items from end of the line before you go off the air First of all, the scene with Stan and the dog wasn't poor direction. It was an important link between the scenes together with the hooker scene. Stan and Anka's argument was pretty brutal, but crucially left both characters moderate their positions in the aftermath In real life. That would be internal, of course, but on TV, you have to show it. So Stan tries to save a dog and can't and realizes maybe he can't solve everything and grudgingly admits his wife has a point. Whereas Anka talks to a hooker and realizes if she leaves the baby there, her best case scenario is a hooker who will never own a house. The next scene shows them getting dressed up and heading to the agency. If you don't get that, the dog and the hooker scenes, this makes zero sense. Narratively. Those scenes show the viewer. Neither party is, is dug in a hundred percent and that they're willing to reconcile. Anka goes to the agency and Stan backs her up. when she balks. Um, I mean, I think we talked about that last week. It's just, I think our argument is to degrees of which that absolves the show of its other kind of narrative missteps. And again, I think we both agree that last week is probably the second best of uh, maybe the third at, at the least charitable third best episode of the Romanovs so yeah. you know it's it's not one that I want to spend a whole lot of time litigating because like I don't think i think if it was the worst episode of the Romanovs, the Romanovs would be a pretty fucking good show but unfortunately it's it's mm-hmm. at the at the tip of the top there. Uh, also, secondly, per Jim's line about the homosexuality, that's not actually about homosexual politics at all. What it does is set up the court scene where they call the new baby by the old name. The line that we don't let homosexuals adopt babies is what they say. Letting homosexuals adopt babies is what actually happens because it just did. In this whole process, there's the show, gift chocolates, baby outfits, of tags, forms in the court. And there's the reality, which is getting these poor children to good families as best they can in a screwed up system. When they announce the adoption with the wrong name in court, we know it's okay because we know they let people adopt babies that they say they won't. There's zero actual sexual politics here from anyone's point of view. But
1: okay, and also
0: when they announce the adoption with the wrong name in court, we know it's okay because they we know they let people adopt babies that they say they won't. I don't. That's not again my perspective as a person who watched a lot of TV. Is this is a panic note because? The adoption agency, which already has been shown to lie and manipulate the parents, just told them they'd get a healthy baby, and now they're before the judge adopting the, the quote-unquote dud baby they didn't want. And it turns out that I think you're right, but I, I think that just a plain reading of the script, it's it's hard to argue that, that that's, I don't know what they're supposed to be going for. I don't remember that episode well enough after yeah. one
1: week to uh, try and defend my point there, but yeah, I I don't know.
0: Lastly, we need to point out that the last four episodes have been scrupulous about not taking position on any of the topics introduced. They've gone out of their way to show complex, ambiguous situations and letting the viewer decide what they think. Yes, they've showed what some of the characters ultimately decided, but the show itself never agreed or disagreed with it. Should Stan feel intense guilt about the child he left behind? Should Diane Lane have shut that door? Despite what you've said in the podcast, the show is letting the viewer decide. Um... I mean, fair enough about last week's episode, but I guess that's kind of like the critical thing that I didn't like about the High and Bright Circle episode is sometimes it's weird when things don't take sides. Like, imagine if there was a movie about the civil rights movement in 1960s America, where at the end of the movie, you felt very much the filmmakers wanted you to decide what was right and what was wrong. Mm -hmm. Like... That would be kind of gross, right? And I feel like we're kind of at that point, especially with Matthew Weiner's involvement with the whole Me Too, and then you make the subject about this. This, this I, Like I said, I that's a very subjective thing, and you either feel it or you don't, but I definitely, definitely felt it. Um, and I think, you know, there, there again, it's this guy who stopped really paying attention to what was going on in politics 20 years ago, you know, having some, some deep thoughts about the issue. Here's the thing, though. Uh, you're probably right on all these counts.
1: Let, let me say that. It sounds like you've watched the show a lot more closely than I have because I am what Matthew Weiner is to the, the modern-day politics. I am to this show. Mm. I lost interest in it episode four? Mm-hmm. Episode three? I, I don't know. I lost interest in it a long time ago, and mm-hmm. I stopped caring so much, and if mm-hmm. it wasn't for the fact that we had... You know, committed to doing this entire season. Right. We wouldn't. I wouldn't have been watching it. Oh yeah. No, the show not- lost me a long time ago. It's it's not top tier television, despite you know the three things that you mentioned that
0: I don't think save this show. Because here's
1: the thing: even is like, if they're all
0: true, I th- I find it very hard to defend the aesthetics of the show like it's it's gorgeous to look at but Mm -hmm. again it's really directed and edited very poorly yeah i agree and it constantly undermined even when the show had decent dialogue and concepts just the, the the clunky mechanics of watching this thing grind its gears and halt and falter and actors struggle with the lines uh you know and and i haven't seen anyone kind of defend that like oh actually if you the he's actually using this weird 1940s silent movie <laughs> editing technique that uh-huh. that is uh pioneered by Romanoff like it it's just bad uh-huh. so and i'm i'm kind of with you too like i i think that i whatever the episode was after Christina Hendricks one is the one where i'm like oh this is just going to be what it is yeah. and um it was hard for me to get back on the bandwagon uh, moving on to current stuff About this this particular episode That we just watched Josh H Candace murdering a completely innocent Jack Her brother, I might add Was bad enough But making the man spend his final moments on this earth Putting up an aggressively overchatty seatmate On a mm-hmm. train as Darth Vader levels of villainy Can we get a bald move rule About not ignoring the social cues of people in public Who just want to be left alone <laughs> I mean I, I
1: don't think this show deserves to make rules.
0: <laughs> That's gonna forever sure. go down a bald move lore. I yeah, can't I don't, I don't allow want it. The Romanov case no. law sided and and bald move, especially no. since there's already a societal rule, don't do it. <laughs> right? You know, I mean, this isn't like a cheat code to the universe. It's just just violating social nor- norms and mores. Mm-hmm. Um also thanks for sticking with the show despite the hiccups. As you guys have discussed, I think it's coverage of this type of niche TV that really motivates me to be a club member. Happy holidays to you both. Well, thank you, because that's information that we were kind of wondering. Um, JJ says, a couple of podcasts ago, you are speculating that the wiener might, uh, must have had one good idea and then tried to build the rest of the season as filler. The two of you just couldn't figure out what that good idea was. I know what the good idea was. It was the intro. Once Tom Petty starts rocking, the guns start firing, the screen mm-hmm. comes alive. Unfortunately, the screen quickly dies when the story starts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember being pretty excited uh, about the uh, the credit sequence and what it was promising to tell, but yeah, never really never really took off for me. Uh, Remy, I'm definitely in the minority when I say I enjoyed all the episodes this season so far, so I can't even comprehend my own disappointment because I hated this episode so much. Huh. I found the story within a story within a story style to be annoying, not only to constantly change narrator, but also going back in time and then coming back. And again, nobody ever told a good story with a structure like this. I love unusual storytelling most of the time, or at least the idea of it, even if the execution isn't perfect. But this one I disliked all the way through. It's funny because Cecily and I, we cover American Horror Story. that's written by uh, Ryan Murphy, and this is his fucking favorite thing to do. Like, when he wants to make a left turn to Kirk-, Kirk in the plot, it's always preceded by a flashback or multiple flashbacks that's about to justify the batshit thing you're about to see. Mm-hmm. But nobody cares because it's an American horror story, and you're really just <laughs> wanting to see your robot Kathy B- Bates getting her head blown off, right? Sure. This, like, this is Ryan Murphy phoning it in level storytelling done at this auteur art level, mm-hmm. and it's just really bizarre. Uh, she, They continue... I hate that Matthew Weiner tried to trick the audience all along by hiring a different actor to play the older version of the poor man's Eddie Redmayne, despite the fact that everyone else was aged using makeup only. An actor who, by the way, looks nothing like the younger version, doesn't even have the same eye color, and and Weiner then has the audacity to write the line, If you had looked at me closely, you would have recognized me. (laughs) Of course, if they'd used makeup to age him, everyone would have figured out the twist at Mm. the very beginning, as he still would have been recognizable. Yeah, we didn't talk about that, but we've said that multiple times, that that's pretty horseshit. When yeah. you, like we said, we talked about this, We it kind of happened on Westworld, too. It's like, if you use computers to digitally de-age a character, and then you have them played by different characters in different eras, just to preserve a twist, mm-hmm. it's kind of bullshit, and to the extent that you like season one of Westworld, you roll with it. To the extent that you don't like season two, <laughs> you start calling them on it. And right, yeah, I like this season of Romanized a hell of a lot wor- less than I than I like season two of Westworld. Mm. Um, even so, I think it's fairly er- obvious from early on that Candace was Simon. Even Jack said her, "So this story is about you." Yeah. In retrospect, maybe we should. Did you Did you catch on to this before the very end? No, no I, didn't I didn't either. Uh, Also, because we knew this writer before, it was clear that the annoying old woman on the train had to be a Romanoff. And like Demick said before, it's not at all believable that Jack wouldn't recognize his own family story. So the big reveal at the end did absolutely nothing for me.
1: Well, they they lampshade this because he doesn't recognize Simon the first time he's presenting as Candace. So
0: when he is just you know he's he's still recognizable. I mean, when it is thing. the actor. It yeah. is the actor in that scene. And yeah, the, I, the I, actor I, I, actor I gotta believe Simon. that if you were years into hormone replacement therapy and was dressing feminine and had grown out your hair, I would still like recognize you if you came up to me on the street. Like it's usually. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Probably. I don't know. The, I I don't know a lot of trans people in real life, but I've certainly seen a few go through the public eye and. You know, it's, it's, it's not usually such a huge transformation that you don't, they're, they're visibly unrecognizable. You know, they present differently. It's like, oh, this is, you know, they're, I now can, can see they're, they're going as a woman, but you know, someone that, I don't know. I mean, the, this person's relationship with his brother though, was seeing him at a birthday party maybe, and Mm -hmm. then seeing him 10 years after that and then seeing him 20 years after that. Yeah. So I guess I kind of buy it. It's just it's just horseshit I to could, play yeah. the the makeup the to play the different casting versus but they have to otherwise yeah
1: I, I think the emailer's right they
0: yeah. they just immediately give up the game but I don't know because I always thought it's smart to like shows like Game of Thrones like the where the novels. A lot of times use, oh, this person's in disguise and you find out like chapters later because in the you're you're not privy to what the person actually looks like. You're just reading the description. Mm -hmm. And and, you know, Game of Thrones, the show never tries to do that because obviously it would be seen as like bullshitting your audience. I, you know, and that show has dragons and shit. You know, like if any show could get away with 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 doing that switcheroo and having the audience be like, "Holy shit, that's a totally different person!" It'd be Game of Thrones, and they're smart enough not to do it. Mm-hmm. So, come on, Matthew. Or, I mean, that's the other thing is just recast everybody. You know, do like a the haunting of House Hill, and just have like in as the the different phases of the story, you just everyone's got a different cast that kind of sort of looks like them, but mm-hmm. I, but the, yeah, the way you do it, the, doing it this way just didn't work for me. And that's all the feedback um, we had. So, uh, TV at BaldMove.com, uh, I do not think that we will be back with a TV podcast uh, the, through the end of the year. I don't know. Me, me and Cecily were talking about doing something fun, about like doing a holiday television special roundup. But hmm. speaking of reach exceeding our grasp, sometimes we, <laughs> we do that. So I don't want to promise anything. But we're certainly going to be talking about Romanoffs. Your best bet to get some feedback in at this point would be get on the forums, forums.BaldMove.com where uh I might um might get in there and, and read some final thoughts on this but I just I'm just relieved that we're it we're we're done with it cuz yeah I yeah. I thought the first two were kind of interesting and droll as a well this is Matthew Weiner clearing his throat and now he's going to really tell a story but I, I you know he just continued to clear his throat for seven more weeks. Mm-hmm. And it's a bummer because huge again huge fan of Mad Men, I know you're a huge fan of uh uh the Sopranos and and he was a as a pretty big part of that success. So unfortunately, the uh, the sophomore effort here just 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 wasn't <laughs> just didn't meet our expectations. But you know, some people enjoyed it, and if you're those people, and then, then then maybe it'll come back. I what what do you what do you think? Because I kind of think that I was reading kind of like some the 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 the, 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 the coverage of the professionals and stuff, and I. I kind of got the impression that maybe even Amazon themselves knew this was a bit of a dog and didn't put oh, a lot of in. like, you know, because like this is the return effort of Matthew Weiner. It mm-hmm. it was not really promoted as such.
1: Yeah, not so much. Uh, a- every review I've seen of this show has been mixed at best. So uh, honestly, I think if Amazon are smart, they say, OK, Matt, uh, no more Romanovs. Yeah, but. You know, if you want to do something else with us, if you have another idea that might be more appealing to today's television market, mm-hmm. uh, let's go for it. But I don't think it's season two of this happens.
0: Yeah. And it's the popularity is one thing because, you know, David Simon makes stuff that I think is finely crafted and exquisite, but not mm-hmm. necessarily popular. Yeah. And doesn't get, you know, even a lot of bu- buzz at award seasons. But it's if you're a fan of great television that he really he really he really brings the thunder. This it's like I think it's it's cursed, it's not only not popular, it also I don't think it's going to be in anyone's conversation about like awards and it's just doesn't there's it doesn't have a market. There's no one here to champion it. Yeah. except for maybe like maybe maybe Jeff Bezos himself. Maybe Jeff Bezos is a Romanoff. Oh shit. Oh shit. <laughs> so there's gonna be like, if we if we see that there's nine seasons greenlit after this, then then we'll know for sure. <laughs> but uh yeah so i i if, if you 've gotten us this far i've always all wanted to know what it'd be like to cover something that kind of became a train wreck, mm. and I got that checked off my bucket list, so Great. no don't don't need to do that anymore uh thanks for being with us uh if we don't if if uh, we you don't hear until new year be watching. Uh, bald move tv because we will be doing roundups and stuff uh, throughout the year next year as well maybe deep dives on some one-off shows like we did i i had a lot of fun at the bald move feed this year i mean the tv feed we one of the breakouts was that um uh sharp objects oh yeah i mean yeah. it's like that, that was, was that was really fun we got a lot of engagement uh the deuce was a great fu- uh, episode or great series of episodes uh a lot of fun to cover this was kind of like the only real miss this year Mm -hmm. um so not a bad not a bad batting average but anyway we'll see in 2019 until then i'm aaron and i'm jim see ya